0: I'm pulling my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the Drive to Work. Okay. So today's topic um, is addressing a question I get asked all the time. So the question is, I want to become a game designer. How do I become a game designer? Um, So that's, it's interesting. Um, One of the things that's very funny is a lot of my critics like to point out that I had had no training in, in game design. Um, and one of the reasons is, what I was, was, you know, back in the day, it, it wasn't something you could study. It wasn't it wasn't something you could go to college and actually learn about. Um, I think games have definitely uh, advanced quite a bit in the last 20 years as far as how the public thinks about them. Um, so anyway, today's topic is sort of talking about if you want to be a game designer, what do you need to do to be a game designer? And we'll talk a little bit about sort of what game design is and how one can become a game designer I even talk a little bit about wizards in, in particular um, okay so the first question is you want to become a game designer um, so let's walk through what is necessary to become a game designer so first and foremost you need to understand games um, if you wanted to be a doctor well you would study the human body you know if you wanted to be a um, a mecha- auto mechanic, you would study cards. We want to be a doctor, as I You want to be a game designer. You have to study games. You have to learn about games. So first and foremost, you need to play a lot of games. This one is not necessarily hard, but I want to understand the context of it. It's not just a matter of play games. It's not play the same game again and again. It is play lots of games, play a variety of games. And the key to being good at game design is understanding what makes games tick. Why do people play a certain game? Why is this game fun? Why is that game fun? Um, And one of the reasons is you want to take an analytical eye. What that means is you want to play games and try to understand what part of the game is fun. Why are certain games a lot of fun? And other games aren't fun. You know, what makes games tick? Um, So the first thing I say is you really need to dedicate yourself to games. So like my mentor, Richard Garfield... um, I've never seen anybody who loves games more than Richard Garfield. He is constantly playing games. In fact, I feel like one of his quests in life is to have played every game that's ever been made. Um, and he is fascinating. He, I know he studied, he actually uh, has taught some classes on the history of games. You know, um, it is r- r- like a. Uh, I remember at GDC last year, I went to a talk talking about. it took some classic games like Monopoly and stuff and talked about the history of it. And it is fascinating. It's really interesting to see where games came from and what games evolved from other games and how certain games shaped different games. And, like, just watching the influence of saying, oh, this game introduced this concept and then it led to this. And anyway, it, fascinating material. So, first off, you want to be a game designer, play a lot of games. Second, I would say, is also learn about games. Read about games. Learn about the history of games. Um, You want to understand sort of what makes games tick. Um, And the other thing that's very interesting to me is um, the more games you play and the more different games you play, the more you'll start getting an understanding of a couple things. One, you'll start understanding not just what kind of games exist, but what excites you as a game player. Um, And what I would say is um, you want to make sure you design your game for all types of players, not just the player you are. But I do think you are best when designing games that at least are the kind of games that you really enjoy. Um, I, I definitely, I've had friends, for example, who have got on and, and have done game design of things that are something they would never want to play. It's really hard. It's hard to design and be good at making something that's not the thing you enjoy. Um, Magic is interesting because there's lots of different kinds of players, and we have to keep all of them in mind. And I need to make cards for types of players and formats that either I am not or do not enjoy. You know, uh, there's certain types of players that that's not how I play Magic, and there's certain formats that's not the formats that I will choose to play. But I have to respect that those are formats and types of players that play our game, so I have to design for them. But I do love the game I make. I do love magic. Magic is a very compelling game that is very fun for me. Um, I I think it's important that uh, as you start to make games, that you really make things that speak to you. It's kind of like when you're writing scripts in Hollywood. What they say to you is, you have to pick topics you're passionate about. Don't pick topics that you think other people want to hear about, and thus maybe it will make the script sellable. No, you got to pick things that you actually have a passion for, because if you don't have a passion for them, that will come through. Okay, so first and foremost, you want to be a game designer, play games. Play a lot of games, learn about games, and by the way, um, don't just play, like, I know a lot of German games, for example, are not in the U.S. in English and stuff, but one of the things that struck me about Richard, for example, was that he went out of his way to play games that weren't even available in, in the market he, he grew up in, you know, and that yeah... He, for example, loved finding German games, and, and Germany's a great place. Uh, I've talked about this before, that like, gaming in Germany is a very different animal. That, um, although it's, it's starting to inch that way in the U.S., but the, the thought of um, in Germany is that games are much like movies. They're just something people do Every, in Germany. Everybody plays games. That's just a, a way you entertain yourself. And that there's a, a really big family game market because all, or most, Most families in Germany do, in fact, play games. It's a very big game-playing environment. And as such, they have a really wide uh, wealth of different kinds of games. I remember the one time I went to Essen. It is fascinating just seeing, you know... Like, for example, they have lots and lots and lots of games aimed at families and young kids and, like, games that are not testing things that you traditionally think of as being games. Um, So, anyway, have a breadth of games. Play a lot of games... Um, try to play variants of games. Oh, that's another important thing is a good tip of learning how to be a game designer is don't be afraid to take a game, play it. Always start by playing by how they tell you to play it. Um, but then saying, you know what? Are there changes I could make that would improve this game? And don't be afraid of making your own rules for games and having house rules and, uh, uh, you know, what I, there are a lot of games. Like my, this big story I talk about how I was in college, I had a group of friends who we... We used to get together usually on Saturday nights and we would play games. And at first we played all the games we all owned. And then we started going to the game store and buying new games and playing them. And what we found was we always started by trying to play about the game as it was intended. And then you said, you know what, we would start adapting it. And what we found was with a good group of gamers, you can make games fun if you're willing to sort of um, adapt the game. And that even games that at first we didn't really like the game, we tried to find the nugget of what was fun about it and adapt it and change it. And one of, the, one of the first ways I think people are game designers is adapting existing games and going, you know what, uh, this would be a little more fun if. I mean, game design is all about this would be a little more fun if. Um, there's a lot of iteration that goes into playing games, and that I think the first step of learning iteration is just playing somebody else's game and adapting it and making it what, what is fun for you. Okay. Play games. That's important. Um The next step is, if you want to be a game designer, you don't have to to just... You're not supposed to just play games. You need to start making games. So, like, one of the things I remember, I went to a seminar when I was back down in Hollywood about how how do you be a screenwriter was the seminar I went to. Um, And the guy goes, I'm going to tell you this big secret of how to be a screenwriter. Okay, everybody, get all your pencils. You ready? Write screenplays. You know, his point was, there's a different... I mean, anybody... Your goal is to be a accomplished, you know, script writer that sells their scripts. But if you want to be a script writer, write scripts. And that one of the things is a lot of people want to do something. A smaller subset, do it. So if you want to be a game designer, anybody can be a game designer. All you have to do is design games. Um, and the key is, when you design games, is... Um, start, don't... I would recommend starting small, meaning, uh, you know, if you're if you're going to write a novel, probably War and Peace isn't the first novel you want to write. Um, they, I, they talk a lot like when I was writing screenplays that like, Pulp Fiction, you know, something that's really complex is not how you start because Pulp Fiction isn't told in order. It's, it's a very, it's a very interesting script, obviously, but it's very atypical. It's like sort of, if you're going to start painting, probably Cubism isn't where you start, you know. Um, and what i recommend is start simple make something and, and um, so obviously i have a whole series of podcasts about making games uh, 10 things every game needs um, listen to those those are valuable but um, the key is when you're first starting out make something bite sizable make something that you can play that doesn't take too long to play that you know i i want when you're first starting out to try to make smaller games as you're t- testing out the waters Okay. Um, And the thing about making games is there's a multi-part to it. The first thing you need to do is you need to figure out what kind of game you want, what's interesting about your game, where's the fun. Um, And then you're going to have to do what I always talk about, is the iteration, which is you have to physically make your game. It doesn't need to be perfect. It can be pretty rough. It can be on index cards. It can be on paper. You know, the earliest version of it doesn't necessarily need to be super polished. Um, and early on, what you're trying to do is you're just trying to figure it out. That's fine. Whatever you can do so you can play test. Um, but what will happen is, as you move along in making your game, um, what will happen is you will want to become more um, early play testing or, or early game design is just kind of figuring out the, the, the nuts and bolts and details of it. Um, figuring out the basic structure, what kind of game do you want to be. Sometimes there's research because. Um, usually, there's some flavor to your game. I mean, I, this is all in the ten things. But um, you might want to, you know, if you're if you're doing a certain flavor, you want to do research in that flavor so you make sure you you capture correctly. Um, the thing I will say is what you want to do. There's some general general guidelines of of designing when you're first starting out. Number one is um, try to the best of your ability to make the game you're making. Um, Don't worry about quality of pieces, but worry about um, actually capturing what you're trying to do. Um, you You want to... So a big thing about game design, and this is amateur, professional, doesn't matter, is it's an iterative process, which means you're going to make something, you're going to play it, you're going to learn from those things, you're going to have feedback, then you're going to make changes. So early on, you know... Your initial playtesting is going to be with your playtest group, the people that are actually making this. Um, And in those early playtests, you can be kind of rough because the people involved understand the roughness of it. Um, You will get to a point where you want to start bringing in other people, where you're getting outside. You're getting sort of the general public feel. I mean, they might not be the general public. um, But as you get to more playtesting where it's more... You're trying to get a sense of people what the game is like. Um, you need to get the components closer closer to, to, to real, not necessarily as polished as the actual printed thing would be, but enough so that the people playing it understand the components and what's going on to it. If there's a flavor component, they need to see enough of the flavor that they get what the flavor is and they can enjoy the flavor. And remember, I talked about this in, um, not, not too long ago, a podcast about, about making the original um, magic you know, back in Alpha, Beta... Uh, and Richard had little cards cut out of cardboard with, you know, pictures xeroxed on them, um, and they were compelling. They weren't they weren't amazing cards. They weren't professionally printed, but they they actually had a little bit of charm to them and it captured a little sort of sense that he was going for. And that's all it took. Those little tiny cards, little cardboard cards with, you know, xerox cartoons from Calvin and Hobbes or whatever on them, uh, were compelling, and people got compelled by them. So. Anyway, make sure... Um, probably I'll do a podcast at some point about, about making it. The, the, the point of this really actually isn't about how to make your game. Uh, it's more about what you need to do to become a game designer. So, um, I, I will say, um, when you're making the game, um, make sure you understand all the different components, what you want to have, what your flavor is. Um, make sure that you are, you are listening to the feedback you are getting. Um, A lot of people will play test, keep getting the same notes, and then don't make changes based on those notes. And if... if, Like, one of the things I talk about all the time is if everybody is making the same note to you, is everybody is saying that... um, If everybody is saying that you... um, You need to change something, and that's a continual note you keep getting, well, something needs to change. I mean, maybe... uh, One of the things I say all the time is players are very good at identifying what isn't working. They're not always good at identifying what would work. Um, so you want to listen to criticism and understand that they, it's very easy for people to recognize problems. It's harder for them to solve the problem, but it's easy to recognize it. And if a lot of playtesters are saying the same thing, okay, you got to listen to that, that. That's meaning something. Um, anyway, um, the one final note I will say is make sure as you advance in playtesting that you're playtesting with people that aren't emotionally connected to you. The people who care about your well-being will soft-pedal their, what they're saying to you because they don't want to hurt your feelings. Um, and that a lot of what you need when you're doing your, your later playtesting is really blunt, honest criticism. You know, someone's got to call the baby ugly. And it's hard for somebody who, who cares about the parent to call the baby ugly. Um, and you need people who are willing to say, hey, I don't like this or that and this sucks or whatever. You do need to hear that. Okay. So number one, I'm talking about how you need to study games. Number two, you need to make games. That part of being a game designer is making games. And whenever you get to some place, um, you know, if, you, if your goal is to be a game designer, well, in fact, let, let, let's get into that right now. So there are two paths to becoming a game designer. Um, there is a much easier path and there's a harder path. So we'll start with the easier path. The easier path is that you're not selling yourself, you're selling your game. So the first path is, what you do is you make a game, and then you sell the game. Now, there's a couple different ways that you sell a game. First off, you could make a full um, prototype version, and you could sell the game to a game company. You can sell the game to somebody who makes games. Um, I will let you know that this path is... Um, uh, of, like I like was saying, uh, I'm talking about uh, sort of the, I, There's two paths to getting a job as a game designer. First has to do with creating a reputation of, of making games that people know. The second is sort of finding somebody and proving that you, you have the needs to sort of become a game designer. Um, or become a professional game designer. So in the first path, which I... None of this is easy. So when I say the easier path, it's it's relative. Um, so the first path is start by making a game Um, the reason a game and sell the game Um, like I said there's two ways to sell a game one is to sell it to a company that makes games that is very difficult for example I work for Wizards of the Coast we make games do we take outside um, submittals we don't you know um, or or, or especially not ones that we don't you know initiate Um, and so it's hard Um, selling your game to somebody else. It can be done. There are plenty of examples of games that were sold. Um, But more common in that is what we call self-publishing, which is you make a game and then you make it yourself. You publish it yourself. And we're now in in the age uh, where the tools to self-publish are better than they've ever been. Now, self-publishing has a lot of risks to it. Uh, The biggest risk is a financial risk which is you are making, um, all the components to the game. Um, now with stuff like Kickstarter and things, there are some ways even financially to sort of, uh, you know, get people to believe in your idea and enough people will, will, will give you the money that you can then produce it. And so there's, there's some ways there's even revenue now to sort of make a cool game, sell the idea of the game, get people interested, get the money and then make the game. That's possible. Um, or there's some of you make you, know, you have to have belief in your game and you have to sort of put the investment to make the game, to physically put down the money, make the game, and then try to sell the game that you've made. Um, there are a lot of different avenues. But, but what I'm trying to say is the first way to, be, to become a game designer is to, is, is to make a game. And then ha- people will be able to judge you based on the game you've made. Um, I know, for example, that if you came to Wizards and said, I want a job as a game designer the first question we would ask you is "And have you designed any games and if the answer is yes the next question will be could we see them Uh, it's even better if we already know about them and already know what they are Um, one of the ways definitely to get a job as a game designer is to create uh, you know create a reputation as someone who makes games and who makes good games Um, there's a place called Board Game Geek that I would check out it's a website that talks all about games and rates games that's reviews of games. Uh, it's a very good place to sort of see a listing of most games, I guess. But it's pretty thorough. They're pretty thorough. Uh, and you also can learn about games that you would maybe never know about. There's a lot of really fun games. And here's the harsh reality is there's a lot of really good, very well-made games that fail. Um, and they fail for a couple reasons. One is um, they're they niche meaning the people who would appreciate them is a small number of people, and there weren't enough people to, to who appreciate that kind of game. Uh, it could have just been uh, uh, advertising. You know, it could have just been, hey, it's a great game, but not enough people were made aware of the game. It could have been uh, the price point that they were able to make it at was too high for people to want to pay that. You know, If you mass market things, you can bring down the price points. But if you're self-producing, sometimes it's a little, it's a little more expensive when you self-produce. And sometimes you have a game that like, well, maybe if mass-produced, you could get it low enough, you could sell it. But at, at uh, self-publishing levels, it's just too expensive. The, the components are too much. Um, but whatever, the, um, the issue at hand is that you, you can make a reputation for yourself by actually making games. Um, that is the route that most professional game designers I know went. That is the route that um, is they started by making games. Okay, that said, that is only one avenue, and not not the avenue I went down. So let's talk about the other avenue. The other avenue is get yourself known as somebody who understands games. Um, And the way to do that is it's trickier. Um, The way to do that usually is through something like writing or something in which... You are able to uh, podcasting something in which you're able to communicate to people that you get it, you understand games, you understand how they tick, you know, and that you're able to take this knowledge and then put it in a place where people can see that you have the knowledge. Um, now, for Magic, there are certain games, Magic being one of them, that is big enough that we have a lot of people who make it. And M- Magic is um, there are a few games, most of which are video games. Magic is kind of we. Exclusive, and I think it's the only game big enough. or One of the few. There's a few others um, that really can create the kind of uh, creates enough revenue to have the kind of size of of people making the game. A lot of people work on Magic, and because of that, Magic is always looking for people. So let me get a little bit into wanting. Some people, when they say they want to be a game designer, what they're really saying is they want to be a Magic game designer. Um, so we'll talk about that for a second. Um, if you want to work on magic, um, the thing that is true is we need to see that you understand the game. Um, it's not necessarily—so this is where magic is a little different than the other stuff I was talking about. Normally, if you want to get a game designer, you, a job as a game designer, you've got to make games so people can look and see at your games. So a lot of people extrapolate from that that the way to become a magic designer is make your own magic sets. Now, I do think that's awesome— I, I am a big fan of doing that as a means to uh, hone your skills. I do think if you want to if you want to be good at making magic cards, hey, make magic cards. The problem for us is we can't look at unsolicited material. So while well, I think making your own custom magic sets, and um, I have a series that I write on my column. I write uh, I do one one issue or one column a year. It's called Nuts and Bolts. Uh, and it's a column all about hey you want to make your own magic set well let me give you all let me give you a lot of technical guidance on how to make a magic set and it's it's full and full of really hard and crunchy technical advice of how to make a magic set I want people to make their own magic sets I think that it is a fun thing to do a lot of people talk about what is my favorite way to play Magic and that's making sets I love making sets and playtesting new ideas and stuff uh, I, I think that's awesome but um, if you want to get a job in Magic the tricky part is. We can't look at unsolicited material. Um, And what that means is we're not going to be able to judge you based on how well your cards are because we're not going to look at your cards. But we will judge you based on the knowledge you're able to demonstrate from that. So, for example, one of the designers we have right now is a guy named Jules. Um, Jules, uh, one of the ways we got to know Jules was he started writing a column about game design. Now, being, one of the things that I know he did is he, he, with other people, made their own set. Now, I didn't read the articles about that set because I'm not only on the list of material, but I read his other articles. And I, I learned and got a sense of he really understood how magic ticked. And I got that from reading about him talking about it. Um, now, another way into R&D, um, we talk about design and development design I'm looking more for can you wrap your brain around how the game works how it functions because you know I want you to build make your own cards um, from a um, development standpoint they're looking for people that have proven that they have the ability to sort of put the game through its paces um, and so a lot of development it, it gets its recruits from the pro tour just people that have proven that they know how to deck build and they know they know how to take cards and find weaknesses and sort of a lot of doing good development is doing good play testing, good deck building, of sort of figuring out, okay, if this was the cards that the players had, how would they abuse these cards? How, what, what kind of environment would it make? Um, and so, um, one way to get into R&D is doing well on the Pro Tour and, and demonstrating um, your skills there. Another one is being very public. We, we uh, like I said, something like writing articles and things... Um, we also do this thing uh, called the, the um, Great Designer Search. Uh, I've done two of them so far. Uh, one of these days, I'll do a third one. Um, I, I'm wanting to get to a spot where—a couple things. One is I want to make sure when I hold it— Oh, so let me explain what the Great Designer Search is. I, I did a podcast on this with Ethan um, as my guest. Um, so what it is is I was told that I was allowed to hire a design intern. I didn't know where to find a design intern. It's not a skill. I don't have— The Pro Tour is really good for finding development interns, not as great as for finding design interns. So what I did was, I said, can I find them however I want? And they said, sure. I go, can I run essentially a reality show, much like, you know, The Apprentice or Project Runway or a show in which I'm testing people and looking at those skills and then we finally hire somebody. And the idea was the winning, the person would win a six-month internship. Um, And so we got people, you know, both times, you know, over a thousand people applied, um, and we whittled it down, and then we got, for the first one, I think we had 15 finalists. we got to have 16, but someone dropped it last minute. We had 15 finalists, and the second one, we had eight finalists. And then we did five different challenges. Uh, there was an initial challenge to get in, sort of initial, um, uh, so th- there were sort of six challenges. There, there was the initial stuff to get in, and then five set challenges. And then each time, we do challenges, and then there'd be judges, and judges would give notes, and then we'd kick out what we considered the weak, weakest player or, play, uh, you know, final or finalist, uh, until we narrowed down to three. And then the three got brought in to Wizards, and we had a, a live competition with them, and we did interviews. Um, and then the winner, in each case, got a six-month internship. In fact, uh, in the first one, not only did the winner get a six-month internship, the runner-up got a six-month internship, uh, and... Uh, two other people... Um, so, uh, Alexis Jansen won. Ken Nagel came in second. They both got six-month internships in R&D. Um, Graham Hopkins came in third. He ended up getting a six-month in digital. Uh, and then Mark Globus also got um, a job in digital. So, four people uh, in the top 15. Uh, and and, uh, and there was a guy... Um, um, uh, Noah got a um, an internship as well So in development. So, Five people ended up getting either a straight-up a job or internship. Of those, uh, four of them turned them into a full-time jobs, all of which are still at the company, by the way. Um, I mean, Ken obviously is on the design team. Um, and um, then in the second one, uh, the first and second, uh, Ethan Fleischer won. He got a six month internship. Sean came in second. He got an internship not in design but in uh, digital e- edition, uh, and then Scott Van Essen uh, didn't right then get the job, but would later get a job. And now um, all three of them currently work. Um, also, uh, John Lauks who was a top eight finalist, also got a job at Wizards. He doesn't work there anymore anymore. But uh, so four of the eight uh, eventually got a job at, at Wizards. Scott Essen, by the way, Van Essen was also in the first original fifteen. So I don't, you can count him either direction. I tend to count him the second one because he got his job after being in the second one. Um, but anyway, in each case, there, are, there were <coughs> four plus people that got internships or long-term jobs out of each of them. So um, people always ask when we're doing the third one. Um, I want to make sure, a couple things. One is I need to be able to run it. It takes a lot of time and energy. Um, and I need to make sure that when the dust settles, that I have an internship for somebody. That there's the potential for that internship to turn into something. But what I don't want to do is run it, get somebody, have me an intern for six months. Go, you're awesome, but I can't give you a job. Um, I, I want the potential for if you win, for it to turn into something. If you if you shine. Um, and like I said, um, a, a, a lot of my current designers, um, like right now on my design team, uh, I have Ethan Fletcher and Sean Maine and Ken Nagel, all of which were finalists you know, in, in great designer searches. So, okay, so um, there are a lot of ways to, I mean, getting a job in R&D is very difficult. One avenue is definitely um, getting a job at Wizards, and then there's a lot of opportunity at Wizards to um, get your foot in the door at, in R&D. Um, there's, if you work at Wizards, there's lots of opportunities to interact with magic we do play tests where people in the company are welcome Um, there are such things like hole filling and there's seminars and there's there's all sorts of ways for somebody who's who's at Wizards to sort of test some of their magic chops and show us what they're capable of Um, so that's another avenue is now my one caveat is if you get a job at Wizards, even if your long-term goal is being in R&D, if you do not succeed at the job you are hired for, you will not get to R&D. Um, one of the things that's really important I should stress is if you get a job at Wizards, no matter what your you know long-term plan is, your short-term plan has to be to be the most awesome person at the job you are hired for. Because um, if you get hired for a job and do poorly at that job, that is not going to be good for your chances to advance anywhere else in the company. So if you do come to work for Wizards. Whatever job you get, excel at that job. Be awesome at that job. Um, but there, there is opportunities if you work at Wizards to help make, make magic and to demonstrate to us. There are definitely people who they started at Wizards doing something else and eventually worked their way um, to working in R&D. Dan Emmons, uh, not currently work anymore, but he was a designer that started elsewhere in the company and then slowly worked over and became a, a full-time designer. Okay. Um, so... Uh, oh, and, and if you want to work at Wizards, there's a job board we have where we post all our jobs. Um, it's something where you can go and look at. Um, I don't know the editor off the top of my head, but if you go to Wizards and, and there's a, a job posting board where we post all our jobs and explain in detail what we're looking for and what the, the prerequisites are and um, what the skills we need, what education you need. Um, okay, so what else you want to become a game designer? Uh, I know at Wizards, by the way, having an undergraduate degree is... It's not that you have to have one, I guess, but it's highly, highly, highly recommended, and, and, and it's already hard enough to get a job in R&D, um, and undergraduate degree is really important. So what exactly, people ask me this all the time. Okay, I'm going to college. What do I study? I, I want to be a game designer. What do I study? Um, and the advice I give is the most important thing you can do uh, for wizards is um, create a, a set of skills that are unique that, uh, that let, let you have something different to offer that one of the things I keep saying to people is if you look at the history of people in R&D, we come from all over the place. I was a TV writer. Um, Bill Rose ran a... Or i say Charlie Catino ran a chemistry lab. I think Bill Rose uh, did finance. Um, Henry Stern was literally a rocket scientist. Uh, you know, Richard was a math professor. Um, you know, people have come from all sorts of different walks of life and all sorts of different jobs. And, and that... Part of, um, part of what we're looking for in, in, in R&D is just a breadth of experience and a breadth of just skills that are valuable that you can bring to the table that um, would do something that just get, offer us something that we don't normally have. Um, so um, now, once again, uh, I, I'm sort of differentiating between getting a job at Wizards versus getting a, a larger job as a game designer. Um. Uh, if one of the things that's available now that was not available when I was uh, going to school many years ago is you are now able to study game design. There are now actual, um, there are actual places that that have game design studies. Um, some of them tend to lead lean a little bit toward video games. I think a lot of times when you talk about game design, uh, a lot of people. Their first meaning is video game design. Now, that said, I think that the core of what makes games games is true in both video games and analog games, what I'll call non-video games. Um, and I think, like, if you understand how to make a game, that those skills will apply. Um, there are definitely some different skills for making a video game, from making uh, an analog game, Um while while there's a lot of overlap, especially in the game design portion, there's a lot of fundamental differences. There's a lot of technical things. Um, if you want to work for a, ga- a specific game, whether it's Magic or a different game, uh, the advice I give there is also: not only do you want to play test games, that's good, but you want to become proficient in that game. And you know, if you want to get hired to make a game X, you really need to understand how game X ticks, which means you need to play a lot of game X. You need to play a lot. You know, you want to work for Magic. Well, I, I need you to understand magic. Um, one of my biggest problems when I ha- I've had designers come in that are good game designers but not magic designers is they they tend to constantly reinvent the wheel, which means they do a lot of things and go, "Oh, that was a very interesting discovery you made, but we made that eight years ago, or we did, you know, we tried that many years ago." That you want to have a good working knowledge of kind of how the game ticks, uh, especially in like magic. The older the game is, the more. You need to understand the history of the game that you're making and what has not hasn't been done before because there's not a lot of value of making things that are just, oh, that is really interesting. That's an awesome mechanic. And back in 1999, it was very popular, you know. Um, so I think that the, um, I think that one of the things is, I- I'm trying to be very broad here and talk about a lot of different kinds of game designs. But one of the things I will say is, why I, I love people having a breadth of knowledge, I also feel like, oh, you actually can study video games now. You actually can study, or not just games, game design. Um, there's different colleges that have game design. Uh, I've had a chance to talk a little bit. Like, one of the things that's very interesting is um, when I Google my name from time to time, I will find, uh, especially uh, 10 Things Every ten things every Game Needs, shows up in, uh, very often, in um, syllabuses for game design courses, um, which are very, wow, it's... Uh, uh, the fact that that is true is very i 'm very honored by that you know uh, as a, as a writer it 's cool to sort of do something and you can see people make use of it um, and like I said, one of the things that i 've tried to do a, as a game designer is be a source a resource for people who want to learn game design um, and so part of that I would also say is not only do you want to study games, you might want to also study game design game design theory you know. Um, I'm not the only one that writes about game design. There's other people that write about game design. Uh, There's awesome books. I often talk about Jesse Schell's book called The Art of Game Design, which is a a thick tome, but a very good read. Um, There's a bunch of different books out there now on game design. Um, Brian Tinsman, by the way, uh, wrote a book called... What was it called? Um... I'm blanking. You look at game, you know, game design. Brian Tinsman, you'll find it. Um, his book was was a lot more about how do you sell your game, sort sort of like how do you break into the business. Um, his was a little less technically about how you design things. A lot of my stuff's a little more of, uh, about actually how to make the game, not how to get a job. Like t- this, this podcast is a little different. I'm being a little more practical on okay, how do you get a job? Um, and I do think that that. Um, Having some knowledge and going to school and studying, I, I think that's pretty cool. It's, that's something relatively new. Um, the, the idea of, I got a degree in game design is, is, is definitely new, um, but it's very cool, and uh, it's, it's another avenue. Um, so let's say you're going to school and you're not studying game design specifically. Here are skills that are really important that I recommend that you you learn, things that r and D I I know, looks for, and I think most game companies will look for. Um, number one is the ability to analyze. A lot of what makes a good game designer is your ability to look at something and figure out what is and isn't working. And so studying things in which you analyze. And it doesn't matter that you're analyzing games. Just learn the skills of analysis, of how to look at things and how to break things down and how to evaluate. You know, there's a lot of skills to understanding how to do analysis and how to evaluate things. That is really important. Um, You want to have basic analysis skills. You also want basic evaluation skills, which are connected but slightly separate. Um, That you want to... So evaluate is learning how to look at things and how to sort of pick up information and understand. And then analysis is understanding how to take that information and knowing how how to uh, apply it. The game has, you know, the thing has this problem. Well, maybe you did this thing, you could make it better. So you need evaluation, you need analysis. The next thing you need is communication. That if you have really good ideas, if you can't communicate those ideas to other people... Like, so much of what I do in R&D is I sit in meetings. I talk to people. A lot of what I do is I have to convince people that my—I have to first have ideas, and then I have to convince other people of my ideas. And the key to doing that is communication. Um, And there's two types of communication. I mean, there's many types, but there's two major types, which is there's verbal communication and there's written communication. Both are very important. Both are very valuable. You will both be in meetings and things in which you're defending your ideas. That's written. I've said that's verbal. And you'll be writing things down and documenting things, and that's written. You want to get a lot of communication skills. You also want to... Uh, I, I'm big on creativity. I believe that's a skill that's also pretty valuable of just being able to figure out where to look for things for new ideas. And I've done a whole podcast on creativity. I've done an article. Um, and, and my belief in creativity is the ability to connect things that other people have not connected before. saying... Oh, what if thing A and thing N, which have nothing to do with each other, what if you could connect us in some ways? What if we could take something learned from a different field of study? What if we could, you know, what if we could take two popular things and combine them? You know, a creativity is, is taking things that people don't normally associate together and putting them together. I think learning the skills of how to be more creative is valuable. Um, in general, what I'm sort of saying is if you're going to go to school, um, it doesn't matter necessarily what you study. And you don't have to study game design to get a job as a, as a game designer, especially at Wizards. Um, but you need to study skills that will make you and get like, so here's the big one. When you go for a job, uh, and this is 100% true at Wizards, um, one of the biggest mistakes people make when they interview Wizards, especially in R&D, is they spend a lot of time telling us why they would love the job, why they're so excited to work for us, why this would be a dream job for them. Um, that's wonderful. And it's not a negative that you're excited to work here, it's a positive, but what's more important to us is not what we will do for you, it is what you will do for us. Why should we hire you? Why would you being an employee for us make us better, make R&D better, make magic better? That what you're selling is not your enthusiasm, what you're selling is your competence. You're selling your influence. You're selling why you being hired would be beneficial for us. And I think a lot of people spend a little bit too much time sort of going over how excited they would be. And and here's the problem. Everybody's excited. That the people we're talking to to work on magic, they are fans of magic. We are not hiding people that go, oh, I've never heard of magic. What is this magic? No. We are hiring people who are fans of magic. So the idea of working on something that you are a fan of is exciting. So everybody's excited. And it's not that I don't want to hear enthusiasm. It's not that I, I, it's not a negative thing. Being enthusiastic is great, but it is not going to set you apart. It's not like a lot of people come to us and, and like, like you, one of the things to remember when you are doing anything, a pitch of any kind, and, and some of I think a job interview is in a lot of ways a pitch in which you're selling yourself. You get one strong message. That's one of the things I learned when I pitched. One of the things I should do a podcast on pitching. It's a fine idea. Um, anyway, one of the things you learn about when you're pitching is that you get one major message. You get a few minor messages, but one major message: that if you try to diversify your message, it gets muddled. And what you want is one strong, clean, clear, simple message. And that message, when you are taking a job interview, I, I'm gonna give you the message right now, which is: you will be better off if you hire me. I will make your life easier. I will be a wonderful employee. I will improve whatever product we're making. You know, the message you want to give is, I am going to make things easier for you. I will improve, you know, you want to hire me. Things will be better for you if you hire me. That I will help, you know, and that a lot of job interviews explaining why they should hire you. Why you would be good for them. And remember that that's when you're eventually the final stages here, trying to get a job, remember that. That's very important. Um, So I'm almost at work. I had a lot of traffic today. Um, My major point is if you want to be a game designer, you need to cover the basics, understand games, have designed games, and you need to figure out how you can communicate to other people that you understand games. And like I said... Um, the cleanest and clearest way to do that is make games and publish games and have had games that, you know, if I want to prove I understand games, playing with you a game I've made that impresses, you know, if I play with somebody a game they've made that impresses me, wow, nothing's going to do a better job of me going, wow, they understand games. Um, Like I said, hiring for magic is a little quirkier because I can't look at the magic stuff you made. Um, I can talk to you about it and I've gotten really, really good at understanding people who understand how magic is made. Um, One of the things that that I love is when I talk to somebody that gets it, that understands what makes magic tick. And the funny thing is, it's not a secret. I'm about as public as public can be about what I think makes magic tick as well as what makes games in general tick. Um, And I've written a lot of material and done a lot of podcasts and answered a lot of questions on my blog. If you want to learn about game design and magic in particular, there is material to do you got to do your homework. Um, one of my ongoing themes in my podcast is you got to do your homework. And that if you want something, part of it is understanding what you're trying to get. You know, like I said, if you want to be good at uh, at games, study games. You want to be good at magic, study magic. You want to get a job, study the job. Know who the people you're going to interview with. Know what, you know, have some idea going in what you can expect. If you have any ability to talk to other people that work at the company and just you know, do some interviews so you can understand just what, what makes them tick. That is valuable. Um, but anyway, you want to be a game designer. The answer is the impetus is on you. That, that's, I guess, the final takeaway, which is a lot of people want to be game designers, and it is not a field that you can easily step into. Um, I also should point out it's not a field that's particularly lucrative. I'm not saying there aren't jobs that pay well, but it is not—there's not a lot of those jobs— And so a lot of people, if you're getting into game design, it should be because you love designing games um, and that there is a great reward for doing for a living what you love to do. And so if you want to be a game designer and you love designing games, hey, there is space for people who are good and love at designing games. Um, But my lesson of today is you need to put in your time. It's not like you're just going to say, okay, I love games. Let me be a game designer. You're going to become a game designer because you study games, because you've studied game design, because you've done game design, because you've studied the industry and the people and the companies that you've done your homework. That if you want to be a game designer, you need to put in the time learning how to be good at game design and then proving to people that you're good at game design. And that is not easy, but it's something that can be done if you put in the time and energy to do it. Whew! Okay, well, I've just pulled into my parking spot, so we all know what that means. It means the end of my drive to work. Instead of uh, uh, talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. Thanks for joining me today, guys. Bye-bye.